are times in Scripture where the amount of faith needed to do something is adjusted. You can do something in weak faith or strong faith, but the one thing that never changes is the sure word that that faith is put into. Whether it's faith as weak as a mustard seed or as great as the centurion who simply believed Jesus at his word, the fact is both faiths place their faith in something that is sure, a sure word. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're looking once again at John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54, weak faith in a sure word. Oh, to be sure, there are times our faith is weak, but the sure word never is. Here's more with Pastor Phil Howard. So he beseeches Christ, and in the Greek, he just keeps repeating the request. I don't care about what the Galileans think of you. I know they design the demands, miracles, and signs. I am just telling you, I got a boy about to die, and you're the only one that can fix it. And Christ says to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. That's it. Come on, Joe Merrill, I want to see it. He didn't even get to see it. Because he didn't know he was talking to someone who has authority over disease, death, and distance. He doesn't have to be in the room to perform the deed. Matter of fact, he's sitting on a throne right now, and he can meet you here today. He can step right down. He's high, but he's not so high that he can't stoop low, low to where you are. He came down. David said, he stooped to make me great. I am moved by those words. Our God stoops. He can just say the word, and it's done. And the man, just as soon as he heard it, all he said, Jesus said, your son is going to be okay. That's good enough for me. I believe it. That's called convinced or confident faith. Uh, there's a real danger in sensuous faith. That I won't believe unless I see it. I thought faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can't even see. Isn't it interesting that John the Baptist never performed one miracle, and he was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament? Elijah did 14 miracles. Elijah did seven. But here John the Baptist, Jesus said, the greatest prophet that ever lived never did one miracle. Well, he must not have the Holy Ghost. He must not have the power. What's wrong with him? But John said in John 7, but everything he said about this man, Christ, was true. You know what's wrong with most of you? You don't believe the word of God's enough. You seek a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you, but your Bibles aren't worn out. You're not, you don't have any verses stained with your tears where you're saying, I'm counting on you doing what you said. I'm taking you at your word. He said, your boy will live. The man believed the word Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way, and he didn't even get home till the next day 
because he had this majestic leisure of knowing if God said it, it's done. He didn't go home a nervous wreck wondering, did he? Didn't he? He said it. We've got more dynamite, more power, more promises. Did any of you, a lot of you look so young and frisky, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Did any of you ever see a promise box? Who grew up with promise boxes? And you're a remnant in this church. Man, these folks were on the ark. I mean, this is a few. Just everybody kind of dim. Well, I, my sister for sure, she had a promise box. And promise boxes were simply scriptures in a little box. And you'd pull a promise each day out of there. Or you can pull it for a promise for the week. However, and, and you would just pull that out. And that was your promise you'd cling to for the week. Because uh, you were living on promises and not dying on problems. Living on promises and not dying on problems. Some saints, every time I get with them, all I hear is their problems. I never hear any promises. I don't hear a promise. If you, your God already died. He can't keep his word. Well, you know, this was written over 1,900 years ago. Did you know in Hebrews, he said the word of God is alive and powerful, and it's in the Greek, it's a present tense. It is living today, he saith unto The word is as alive as God. God. If God says it, heaven and earth could pass away. It won't. My dad had a great problem as a Pentecostal deacon. He couldn't get tongues. He kept trying, but he never did get through, and guys in those kinds of churches, if they didn't have tongues, sometimes you couldn't be a deacon. They'd still accept your offering, but you couldn't be deacon and, and, and things like that. And you wanted, what's wrong? Is there sin in my life? And uh, in his frustration, he went to one of our uh, African-American brothers that he loved in Berkeley, old Brother Brown. And they went to him and he said, I don't know, I've sought I've given up. I've held on. I've tried. I just can't get it. And old Brother Brown in wisdom just gave him the comforting word that freed him. He said, Brother Howard, God has given you his word. It's enough. Man called me up one time. He wanted me to prophesy over him. He's going in for dangerous surgery. And I, I did. And I just started quoting scripture to him. He began to weep on the other end. You shall go through the waters, but they shall not drown you. You shall go through the fires, but they will not burn you. For yea, I am with you even unto the end. How can he whom I've justified, how can I accuse? How can a God that's for you ever be against you? I started quoting Romans 8. I started quoting Isaiah. Friend, you can't get a better word than the word I quoted. And I didn't invent it. The word, see what us conservative folks do, you may, there's a word out there. When are you going to say it's a word for me? God's talking to me. See, I, I can get logs. I'm trying to wake up the last row. But let me tell you, this Bible, this Bible is God talking. He that's got an ear to hear, let him hear what God's saying. God is talking. To his people. Can you hear what he's saying? I heard McGee after he'd been preaching 55 years. 
55 years. McGee, what's kept you going? He said, well, he said, I graduated from Columbia University in the Depression. And he said, I was the most depressed graduate that day because I'd heard Lewis Chafer and I wanted to go to Dallas. But it was the 1930s and I had no money. And my dad had been killed in a cotton gin accident. And my widowed mama was raising me. We had no money. I worked at a bank as a teller, no money. I wanted to go to seminary, and I had no money. But he said, on my graduation day, my three Presbyterian Sunday school teachers from when I was a young boy attended my graduation. Two women and one man. And they all taught McGee as a boy. And they all came, and they came up to him, congratulated him, Vernon, come by the house, and we're going to have a little cake and coffee and celebrate that our Sunday school boy graduated, got his bachelor's degree. So he said he goes by, cake, coffee, and all of a sudden, his Sunday school teacher, the gentleman, said, Vernon, if you don't mind, we'd like to have a little devotion here. And he opened to a verse that goes like this. I can quote it, but it's better when you think I'm getting it right out of this book. I have no use to you guys that don't give me the book when you're up here. Point on the verse. Let's get people over the fact us guys aren't the word. This is the word. I preach a word outside of me. If you've got any problem with my sermon, just come and show me if it's in the word or not. If it's not in the word, I'll repent. But I'll be mad at you. But if you can show me it's not in the Word, I'll be glad to just say I'm wrong. But if it's in this book, don't you dare mess with me. Because God slay you. I don't know when, but don't mess with anybody that handles his Word. Got all kinds of folks that are not afraid of pre- hurting preachers, talking about preachers, having them for lunch, eating them like dinner, and wonder why their kids don't want to go to church. They're always looking for the right church, and they ruin everyone they go to. You've got to have people raised on this book. This book. And this book will make you love everybody, even guys that preach. Listen to what the Sunday school teacher read. It goes like this. Hold on now. This is a word from God. Now listen. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will fail to complete it. Oh, okay, now that's where you should yell. Just say, boo, yeah, just yell me out of the place. That he who begun a good work in you might complete it, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Will he or will he not? McGee said then, after the old gentleman gave the devotion, said, Vernon, we've watched you as a boy. We watched you come to Christ in our Sunday school class. And we heard you wanted to go to seminary. And about 1933, they gave him an envelope with enough money to pay his first semester's tuition. And he said, 
I have said to myself, if God can pick up an old boy from Texas in 1933 and pay his tuition and give me a promise, I've got his signature with that verse in my Bible. I staked everything on Philippians 1. You began with me. I'm trusting you're going to complete it. God has begun a good work in you. Won't you believe it? God's going to complete what he started. My life's verse, when I'm wrestling with whether I, I didn't want to get too tied up with the ministry because I thought I could lose it any day. And so I took what my dad instilled in me. Now unto him that is able to keep you. Whoa, wait, wait. Is he or isn't he? He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne of his grace with exceeding joy and gladness to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, dominion, and power both now and forever, Jude 24, 25. Now let me tell you, I staked my life on that. And when I had to answer, man, why do you teach eternal security? I said, because I can't keep myself. And if God doesn't promise to keep me, I'm going to bail out. There's too many temptations, too many problems. I'm not strong enough. But if I've got his word for it, that he will keep me, I'm going to rest my eternal destiny on his word. I got saved at 14. I'm going to be 68. I'll tell you this much. I'm not there yet, but he's kept me this far. He's kept his word. You need to claim some word. You need to wear out your Bible, and you need to soak some verses. I'm praying for my boy. I've got a girl in crisis. My marriage is in trouble. Why don't you get on your knees with the Bible and say, Lord, you've got to talk to me. You got to give me a promise. You got to speak the word to my heart. Your boy shall live. He believed it. That's all. Now he makes the trip back the next day, 20 miles. He gets in about 7 o'clock at night. When he asked Jesus to heal the boy, it was around 7 p.m. A long journey in those days, 20 miles. Could you imagine any of us saying, I'll meet you tomorrow, and you had to walk there? I want to say, I'll see you next week. When I traveled, my wife, it cost me $100 every 100 miles just for food. Because she didn't think you could travel without a milkshake. So it would take us a long time. A long time. But there's no milkshake stands. So he's getting over there. Gets in about on his way to the town, as he's in the outskirts of Capernaum, the servants saw him coming, and they started running to him. said, your boy's alive. Your boy's alive. And I can imagine saying, well, I knew that yesterday. You see, you guys didn't hear God's word. I did. He told me. And so he gets there and said, what time did he get well? He said, well, around 7 p.m. And this man's sharp. He said, that's the same time. The Savior gave me his word, your boy shall live. His faith was confirmed when he walked through the door. And I want to say to you parents, don't quit coming to Jesus for your children. Their destiny is resting more on you than they realize. I don't care if they're young, adult. You know, children keep you praying forever. When do you graduate from taking care of your kids in your heart? You know, Caroline prayed, God, save our girls, save our girls. Well, then they get out and have 10 children. 
God, I'm tired of praying for loved ones. Those 10 grandchildren, just let them be lost. I'm wore out praying. No, 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 no. You start all over. The next generation. And then I got this great grandson at the house carving his initials and everything in the house. You know, pray for me. I wasn't meant to raise great grandchildren. Uh, Nyquil looks good. That boy is so wired up. Yeah, anything. Pray and give them Nyquil. Uh, well, well, but Lord, I, I don't want to pray for these grandchildren. Oh, what do you mean? As long as one have been nieces, nephews. Uh, isn't it terrible that God has left it up to you and I to get to Jesus for our loved ones? When does it end? It doesn't. Don't be weary in well-doing. Pray or you will lose heart. Luke 18, 1. And so his faith is confirmed when he walks in there and sees the boy and everybody is uh, jumping and shouting, no doubt. And uh, then something remarkable is said here that uh, back in John 4, that he comes there and he finds out what time the boy was healed. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. Well, what do you, what's this? You mean just now he believes in Christ? Just now. He believed back here that Jesus made his boy well. He just believed for the, if you said you can do it, I believe that. But he hadn't put faith in Christ as a person, like the doctor. If you say you can get him well, I believe you can. You gave me your word. I believe it, done. But it had never moved to personal trust, reliance, and embracing of the Savior. And right here, the man and his whole household, however many that was, all come to the gift of eternal life at this point. Who would have ever thought that the crises of a boy nearly ready to die would be the catalyst of a whole family coming to Christ. Trouble paved the way for the gift of eternal life. Some of you might be in trouble today. Maybe your family's in trouble. Maybe your marriage. Uh, maybe you've got some grandchildren out there breaking your heart. You never know. Who are you going to? What are you going to trust? Who are you relying on? I think of Precious Fox family. Five sons. They have trusted God for all these years. I've known Ruth and Nelson, I'd say 35 years. Keeps praying. These boys will put faith in Christ. And I would literally dance around this church if I heard of one, two, three, four, them coming. For they've waited They've loved God. They've loved his work. They've taught. They've given. Oh, Lord, could you not save a boy? Could you not save a girl? I think of a Susie loves God, raised two handsome boys in our church as little guys, gone away from God, not in the household of faith, 
Mom keeps going. God got a hold of mom before all their troubles. But sometimes the pain drives us to Christ. And I want to say this today. If you're in pain, I know someone who will welcome you like no other. He's called Jesus. He won't turn you away. He won't berate you about how you raise him, about your faults, about your failures, or whether you've been a perfect parent. He will say, no one understands like Jesus. I asked my dad, how did you manage to see us all saved? He said, son, I clothed you, fed you, spanked you, and God did the rest. I was glad he was wearing out by the time he got to me. (laughs) He would take no credit. I told God, if you'll save and bring my girl back, I'll never go on the circuit teaching family life with an arrogant attitude. I quit doing Mother's Day sermons about mothers because many mothers told me it was the most painful day of the year for them. And we'd get up and preach what the perfect woman looks like and they'd be here weeping over prodigal children. We ought to be sensitive as Father's Day comes, Mother's Day's path. Many here have children in crises. Where do you send them? But I want to ask you this much. Has your coming to Christ made you contagious enough that your kids are catching the disease? Because you see, knowing Christ can either inoculate them from the real thing or infect them. We want to infect our loved ones with the wonder that's found in Christ. Let me say to all you young parents, it's not over. Don't stop praying now. And don't tell us your kids are just nearly perfect. We've seen them. We know how they act. (laughs) They need Christ. You better be praying. You better be trusting. I don't care how nice and sweet. They need a Savior. The only thing you brought home from the hospital was a sinner in need of a Savior. You got to pray. You got to get them to Jesus. Get them to Jesus. Get Jesus on the case. We're desperate to get an appointment. But he's given his word. If you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And that's what we're praying. We need family revival in this church. You know what? It's time we all start inviting people to come and start busting the doors. It's time we just pack this place out. We'll We'll install the shuttle. We'll find a way to make parking. We need to go after your kids, your nieces, your nephews. They're lost, they're lost, they're lost. And let us not sleep in the light while they perish in the darkness. Let us wake up for the time is coming when we can no longer work. Only now. Don't give up praying, Mom. Don't give up praying, Dad. Jesus and make your boy alive. He's the only cure. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Closing out our time together today, we would like to remind you that copies of the broadcast, as always, are available when you contact us and let us know of your interest. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. 
Another way to contact us would be via email, and you can do that through our website, valleybible.org. And while you're there, take advantage of the resource materials we have available. We have our storefront there. Also, information about Valley Bible Church, current events, what's going on, what's happening, our service times and location, directions, they're all there at valleybible.org. Plus, you can also donate there online. And remember, all of these donations are tax deductible. And as you become a TFT sustainer, we will also include our quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. All of these are resources that we've designed to encourage you in your relationship with Christ. And please bear in mind that we are a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue here on KFAX as you partner with us financially. And that's our way of saying thank you. Now, speaking of saying thanks, we have a special gift we'd like to pass your way here in the month of August as you partner with us financially. For a gift of any amount, we'll send you this wonderful series called The Romance of Redemption. It's a look at Ruth, and it's a marvelous series, taking a look at Ruth and the love story found there as it relates to the love story that you and I experience in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's called The Romance of Redemption, and we'd love to pass it on to you for a gift of any amount. Simply contact us at 855 833 9864. That's 855-833-9864. And mention that you're interested in the romance of redemption. And again, for a gift of any amount, we'll send it your way. Thank you for joining us here on Truth For Today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Music.